and welcome back to Grace Talks, a Christian's women's podcast that studies the Bible, the women in it, and applies it to our lives today. I have to start off with being totally honest with you. For this August devotional, I don't have almost anything prepared. Only one passage that I landed on this morning and the determination to be obedient and dedicated to my little ministry. Yesterday, I was allowing stress into my heart, overwhelmed with the things that I have to handle and accomplish this week. And I just didn't know how to add in the preparation and recording and editing of this episode. A sweet friend of mine reached out and checked in on what she knew would be a really crazy week for me. And after I told her that I was barely getting done what I needed to get done, and I wasn't sure if I'd be able to record an episode, she reminded me what I already knew, but just wasn't applying, that the devil loves to tell us that we're not good enough if we don't do blank. I don't know how many of you can relate to this, but I was just at a crossroads of busyness and my choices getting in the way of something that I do for the glory of God and also stressing myself over something as if my worth was determined by what I do and how I perform. I started having this mental argument with myself. Like, what if this is just laziness and not wanting to be uncomfortable in my life? Do I need to push through this and make my body my slave? Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. What if what I choose not to do is a missed opportunity for someone else who needed to hear the message that God would have put on my heart. What if I'm not treating what I do with enough respect and honor, like with my time? What if I'm letting God down? Meanwhile, the other half of my brain is telling me that my value does not decrease when my productivity decreases, that it's okay if I rest instead of work, that other people don't depend on hearing what I learn and the topics that are on my heart, that maybe I don't need to be doing this podcast at all. That was even entering my brain. But what I had to do is I had to wrangle those two trains of thoughts because they're both extreme and both like partially correct and partially wrong and meet myself in the middle with the conclusion that I came to, which was this. Yes, my value does remain the same, whether or not I'm active in ministry or not. Yes, God can use other sources and people to sow and to harvest spiritual fruit in others. No, I can't let God down. He remains firmly in his throne, whether I succeed or I fail with what I'm doing in anything at all points in time. And I know those things to be true. But often I think about Mordecai telling Esther that God can use someone else in their situation, but wouldn't it be awesome if he used Esther in her unique position? I think of the early church who were willing to give up everything they had, their money, even their lives out of their love and their adoration of God. And while I know that rest is important, being a little uncomfortable is worth it if it means prioritizing God and the work he has set aside for me to do. All that to say, Maybe this is something you relate to, or it's a question you've been struggling with yourself. It always feels awkward to talk about myself on a public platform, but realistically, faith can be hard, and it's a constant learning process, and thank God, literally, that he has grace abounding in the Holy Spirit to offer me a helping hand. So while I haven't prepared a message like usual, and I'm looking a little rough, and there may be dogs barking in the background and a bird chirping, but we can still gain something by consuming the Word of God asking what it's teaching about and teaching us in the moment and praying about it. That being said, we are going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 because it stuck out to me during my morning quiet time and it's kind of talking exactly about this and it may sound familiar because I used part of it in the January devotional on motivation. So that being said, we can go ahead and read 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and we're going to see what we get out of it. I've got a study Bible. I've got my Bible. And we're just going to go for it. So, um, all right, starting off in verse one. 
it's Paul talking about his rights as an apostle. He's writing, I guess I need to fill in some context. So the Corinthian church, and a little bit of context, I don't know, based off what we're reading, what all you need to learn. The book of First Corinthians is one of the letters that Paul writes to the town of Corinthians of Corinth. I don't even think I'm going to be editing too much of this. Y'all are going to be <laughs> in for a treat. Okay, so the town of First of Corinth. There it is, the town of Corinth. Anyway, so Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians. I'll say it that way. And those were people who lived in a town that had a lot of heavy influences on idol worship, on prostitution, on all sorts of immorality and different types of behavior. Um, but Paul visited there at one point and started up a church there. And so he's writing to them and we're a few chapters in, and he's been talking about things like um, how you deal with different people in the church, how you deal with married life and different things about sexuality and things like that. Food sacrifice to idols, uh, talking about if you're unmarried or pledged to be married, what do you do with that kind of stuff when you become a Christian in the middle of those changing of statuses Um and then he transitions into this part where he's talking about this food sacrifice to idols and he tells them to be careful that they, the exercise of their rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. So what you're doing, even if you have freedom to do it and it's not a sin, make sure you're not causing other people to stumble or setting yourself up for that. And so he translates that and he starts talking about himself as an example where he says, am I not free? Like I'm also free. Am I not an apostle? So am I also not elevated of status? Have I not seen Jesus, our Lord? Like I know him firsthand. And are you all not the result of my work in the Lord? And then in verse two, he says, even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you because he started up their church for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us as do the other apostles and the Lord's brother and Cephas, who was Peter? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written to the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading on the grain. Is it, about oxen, is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this is for us, doesn't he? Yes, this is written for us because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have the right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? So basically in what he's saying in that paragraph is, when you work for something, typically you get paid for your work. But in the case of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's not always the case. In modern days, we are supposed to make it a priority to take care of and provide for the people who are spiritually feeding us. So we physically feed them. That's kind of the balance. And that's what they did in the Old Testament too. In the case of the Levites and the priests and all of them, they performed the work for the temple and some of the people's tithe went into taking care of and feeding the people who were taking care of and spiritually feeding others. And so that's what he's saying. He's like, don't I have the right to be paid for what I do, but we did not use this right. So he's backing up the fact that sometimes you have a right to things, but you don't, you don't always have to use them. And there's glory in that. And he's saying that because on the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple 
and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar, talking about the Old Testament style, uh, Old Covenant, when they use the temple and sacrifices to altars and the priests and all that. He goes, in the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So that's kind of just what I said. But, Paul says, I have not used any of these rights. And I'm not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me, for I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast, that I do this for free. You know, that makes it even more believable. I don't get my living from this. I sacrifice everything for this. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Like he can't not preach. He says, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. I kind of want to see... I haven't had a chance yet. So when I say I came across this in my quiet time, I'm going through and reading the Bible in a year. I have this awesome planner for it. Um, And I'm just a couple chapters behind this. But when I was overwhelmed the other or last night with if I was going to do this or not, my brain asked, you know, if what I was hearing was the devil or if this was spiritual conviction or what I needed to know. And I go to the word for that. And the verse that I thought of, was of Paul saying, I'm going to basically beat my body into submission. I'm going to make it my slave. And we're going to read that part. Um, But that took me into this chapter nine. That all to say, I haven't actually gotten a chance to study it without you yet. So I'm going to open up my study Bible real quick. I'm going to look and I'm going to see if there's any tokens of wisdom for that section right there. Okay. So I like one of the things that it says, but kind of just adds on to what I was saying. Um, They say specifically for verse 16, that preaching the gospel was Paul's gift and calling. And he said he couldn't stop preaching even if he wanted to. Paul was driven by the desire to do what God wanted using his gifts for God's glory. And these follow-up questions are good to ask myself for you guys to ask yourself. And it says, what special gifts has God given you? And are you motivated like Paul to honor God with your gifts? So that's one of the things that definitely applies to my particular situation of trying to decide if I was going to do this episode or not. Spoiler alert, you're listening. Obviously I did, but it's about finding the motivation. If you have the gifts to use things. And if you have the opportunity, I also have the gift of singleness right now, which means I have time that I can dedicate to God that other people might not who have, uh, who have their thoughts and their mind on things like their husband or on things like a corporate worldly job where they don't have the opportunity to to cut out certain sections of their days. Like I can. Um, I can push off certain things that others can't or things like kids. Obviously, those take up a lot of time. And that's where a lot of a woman's ministry goes to once she has those. But right now, I don't. So I can apply this gift, the giftings that I have of knowing how to do a podcast, of enjoying learning things about God and being able to share them with other people. I have that gift and that availability to be able to use. Do I have that motivation? I want to be able to say yes. And then the other thing that I want to mention is it talks about like he has a reward when he does these things voluntarily. Um, And that like he gets like, what is my reward? It's that he can preach the gospel free of charge and to not be able to use his full rights is a reward to him, which is such an interesting phrasing of it. And it makes me kind of think a little bit more deeply on it It, uh, because after that, there's about to be at the end of this chapter. It also talks about reward being a crown that lasts forever. And so I don't know. It's interesting. Your reward on earth, if it's about being humble, ends up with a reward in heaven. And what exactly that looks like other than being in Jesus's presence is 
over my head and above my current level of theology. But it's interesting. His reward here is to be underappreciated, underpaid, um, and humble, and just and and letting go of any of all of these rights that people tend to fight for so much. He says, I don't need those rights. It's my reward actually to give up some of my rights. And that in turn, that humility, the Bible tells us that who was brought low will be lifted high. Uh, the person who had nothing to fill their mouth is going to be beyond satisfied. And so you notice that balance. He goes, my reward of being humble here is going to be my reward in heaven later. And I like that. Okay, continuing on in verse 19 of chapter nine, it says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I become like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all these things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. In my study Bible, it says that Paul gives several really important principles for ministry in that little section. He's showing that it's important to find common ground with those you contact. You're supposed to kind of avoid this know-it-all attitude and probably better than you attitude. Number one, that's pride. Number two, that really makes you unapproachable and unattractive as a person who doesn't know your message. It helps others to feel accepted and you really have to love someone before there can be any value in change. And it shows that he was sensitive to the people's needs and concerns. He was looking for opportunities to tell them about Christ. And those principles are something that we can apply the same today. He then goes on and shows, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to be a slave for everyone. And this is all for the purpose of advancing the gospel. And then right after that, starting in verse 24 through the rest of the chapter, he goes on to talk about self-discipline. And he says, do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize. There's that prize again. It says run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training they do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever therefore i do not run like someone running aimlessly i do not fight like a boxer beating the air no i strike a blow to my body and i make it my slaves so that after i have preached to others i myself will not be disqualified for the prize so i actually also just when i was helping teach in sunday school we talked about this exact verse about when you're running in a race, there's people who are racing for a crown that will not last. And then there's others who are racing for a crown that will last forever. So it helps you figure out where you're supposed to run. Like, where are you aiming yourself? Because your steps are really going to matter what you're racing towards. And the people that have a crown that won't last forever, I made up a little paper crown. I just showed how it rips apart. Those are things that aren't going to be able to carry with us into the next life, like materials and possessions. So like if what you're running for and what you focus most of your time for is getting enough money so you can do blank or get blank, or it's dating this person so that you can be married, like whatever your priority is and what you're racing towards, you have to remember and ask yourself if what I'm racing for is something that's going to last forever. And the only thing that I personally know is going to last forever is going to be God, a relationship with God, um, the new heaven that he'll be building. And as a whole, whatever we have done to build up heavenly rewards which is what it's talking about when it says to get a crown that will last forever. The biggest reward I know whenever I read that about a crown that will last forever, I think of as 
when you have a crown, you're being crowned for something. The crown is also a tie. It's, it's a title. And our title that we gain when we're forgiven by Jesus Christ and brought into his kingdom is that title of son or daughter of God. That's a big title. It's an heir of the kingdom. It makes us royalty essentially when before we would have been enemies of God, which is just crazy to grasp and to think about. But to be able to get that crown, to have that title, what's interesting is to claim that title. All it takes is belief in Jesus Christ. It's accepting Jesus Christ as your savior. That's all it gets. It's a free gift, free crown on your head. But this also tells us that we're supposed to run in such a way as to get the prize that crown that will last forever. So what's interesting, what he's saying here, and I'll follow that up with that very last verse of 27, when he's saying like, no, I'm not going to run for the crown that doesn't matter. I'm going to strike my body and I'm going to make it my slave. I'm not going to run in the wrong direction or run aimlessly. I'm not going to pretend like I'm a boxer, like beaten at the air. Like I have something I'm focused on and I'm going to make it my slave so that even after I've preached all these things to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. And he's not talking about losing his salvation. In fact, in this study Bible, it talks about it. Um, it doesn't mean that he could lose salvation, but rather that he could lose his privilege of telling others about Christ. It's easy to tell others how to live and then not take our own advice. And you have to be careful to practice what you preach. If you're not practicing what you preach, no one's going to believe you. That's when you lose your privilege to preach, not only because you shouldn't, if you're not practicing what you preach, but because you lose credibility and others won't listen to you. And so the prize is the privilege of talking about Christ. And when you talk about Christ and when you humble yourself, that's heavenly rewards. And whatever that heavenly rewards looks like, I still don't know. I'm still learning. But what I do know is all of the crowns that we're chasing that aren't going to last obviously are comparable to a paper versus like the gold of the crown, this spiritual crown, this spiritual prize. There's one that'll last forever and one that's like paper. There's one that we think we want and that we desire and we run towards. And there's what God has ordained and created and desires for us. And all I can think of is if these are the things that I want and I desire, how much better are these things that will last forever that I probably can't even fathom or wrap my head around that God has planned. And that's kind of the basics of chapter nine is talking about having self-discipline and motivating yourself to do the work and to race in such a way as to get the prize. Obviously, as human beings, God designed us as people who need rest. We have to sleep. We have to depend on him. We can't do everything ourselves. And if we're going to be running in a race, we're going to have to be running as quickly as we can, but we're also going to need resting points in between. Otherwise, we're never going to be able to continue racing. If you're so tired that you become unable to be strong. You know how like if you didn't sleep, you just physically you wouldn't have strength anymore. We still need our spiritual strength, so we need rest. We need to prioritize um we have to prioritize rest in God because it emphasizes trusting in God. But I also want to be someone who has the self-discipline to be able to look like Paul did and say, I have the right to rest. I have the right to let God work. I have the right to do whatever and let him do all those things and work where I can't. But I also want to say that I'm running with a purpose, that every time I am moving, I'm making sure to prioritize God and working towards that crown that'll last forever. That even though I have the right to rest, I also have the privilege of being able to continue pushing beyond typical human limitations when I have the Holy Spirit on my side, when I have a God who 
works miracles being able to work through me. Like those are times to step up to my privilege, like Esther as her privilege of queen. She stepped up to her privilege to be able to make a difference. And through the process, God was able to use her to save an entire nation of people. So yeah. Okay. I think that's all that I really am going to have for today. I want to go ahead and pray because prayer is good and I'm practicing incorporating it more often and we've been doing it for all the devotionals. So we're going to pray. So let's go ahead. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for coming into this space, always willing to meet with me. Lord, I pray over myself and I pray over to those listening, God, that you help us recognize that while our worth is not in our productivity, that we need to rest and depend on you more often than we probably do, but that God, we have a race to run and we cannot run aimlessly. Jesus, I pray that you help us step up so that we may begin running for the crown that lasts forever, the prize that you desire for us. Lord, help us realize that while we have the right to do a lot of things, that not everything is beneficial for us, Lord, that while we have the right to do certain things, it is better for us to discipline ourselves and make ourselves slaves to these physical bodies, that we may build up your kingdom and help others and become more spiritually secure and trusting in you. Jesus, I pray that we don't put anything else above you, but God, that we place you first as our priority. Lord, I lift up our bodies to you, that you help them be strong and energized. God, I lift up our brains to you, that you help us be filled with fresh inspiration and motivation to accomplish the things you have set out for us. God, I pray over our hearts, Lord, that they become single-minded and focused on you instead of deceitful and focused on things that will not last. And God, I pray over our spirits, Lord, that you build up our inner man, that you strengthen our spirit through the help of the Holy Spirit, Lord, so that we begin looking more like you and less like us, that we can run a race in a way that no one else on this earth can without your help, God. I pray that you turn us into the sons and daughters that you have called us to be, Lord. I pray for obedience. I pray for self-discipline. And God, I also pray though for trust and peace in the process and trust and peace and where you have placed us in our lives right now. God, it's in your name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's it. Um, I guess all that's left to say is that I unfortunately don't have any additional readings for you except for maybe all of 1 Corinthians because it's pretty good and it's what I'm reading right now. Um, and it's what I'm reading right now. So we could be learning the same things at the exact same time. And then uh, outside of that, thank you so much for, thank you so much for, uh, and as for that, thank you just so much for joining in as God is teaching me new things, even as I'm learning them and processing with you in real time. Feel free to reach out on any of my social media platforms if you have questions, want to talk or have a prayer request. Remember that God loves you. I love you. You are important. You have worth and you have a purpose and you have the power to be able to find the self-discipline to approach that purpose with boldness and confidence and energy. I'm signing off. I'll see you.